0: Alright, so this morning we're going to be starting a new study, and this study is going to probably take us several months to years, I'm not quite certain. Today's is actually not going to be super long, um, which is good because we don't have a ton of time this morning, but today's is kind of an intro to get us started and really kind of... the. The ground level of this study, because one of the things that we need to ask ourselves when we're embarking on any major study like this is what's the foundation, right? Like, like where do we start? If we're trying to figure out what we believe is a church or what we believe as kind of the Christian faith, we've got to ask ourselves that question. Where do we start, right? If I want, if, if I'm saying that we're going to be trying to cover all of the major doctrines that we hold to as believers, then you should ask the question, where are we going to start? And we should together ask the question, why, are, why is it that we find it important that we start there and not somewhere else, right? So kind of in the weeks prior, I kind of had, we've, And y'all may still have them. You may not have the little printouts that kind of gives an outline of where we're going to be going over the next several weeks, months, years through this study. And one of the things that I kind of mentioned last week is there's going to be something that's not going to change, and that's going to be the beginning of this study. Do y'all remember where we're going to start this morning from last week? What I'd mentioned, where we're going to start? Okay, so this morning we're going to start, and it's probably going to turn into probably four, maybe five weeks where we're going to be exploring the, the idea being the Word of God. So I want to start the first class, I want us to start by thinking about when we say these words, the Word of God, what do we mean? by that, right? So, when you say that, when you use that word, the Word of God, or those words, the Word of God, what do you mean? And this is where some, like, interaction would be good. Like, what do people tend to mean when they speak about the Word of God? Or what could they mean when they speak about the Word of God? Okay, so the Bible, the Gospel, what else? Christ himself this is this is good so what what are when they start thinking about this like what I want us to specifically consider is 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 there any focus when we start considering the word of God that we're going to be focusing on and why should we be starting our focus there specifically so This is why I think it's important for us to draw out these distinctions about the ways that we use that phrase, right? So, like, when I say the Word of God, I could mean Christ Jesus Himself. I could mean Scripture. Like, certain people will have certain ways that they use that word or phrases like that. Like, you've probably heard a phrase like... And it depends probably on what circles you run in, the frequency that you're going to hear this phrase. But have you ever heard somebody say, or maybe somebody said it to you, I've certainly had somebody say it to me, that I've got a word for you from God. Have you ever heard that phrase said? Now have you ever heard that phrase used and them not then give you Scripture? Right? So, when we say that we're going to be using the Word of God, do we mean that God's given me a specific Word to give? Or do we mean Scripture itself? And where should we start? What should be the place that we find is kind of the foundation for all that we do and all that we kind of start from in gaining understanding about who God is? Like, what do we mean? Do we... Could it? This is the question that I want us to ask. Could it be either? Like could it be a word from me? And what if what are the implications if it is, right? Like what what if I were to stand and I were to only ever give you words from me and I were to claim that they were words from God? Right? Like what if that were what if that were kind of your church experience? Is that the only contact that you had with quote unquote the word of God was what you heard me say God was saying what if I stood up in class after class week after week day after day I'm saying this is what God says but I'm never giving you support for that I'm just simply saying trust me in this would it be important for us then to to get a distinction between and ask ourselves some really important questions for what is the what's the primary place that we should look when we're exploring for truth right we, this is not to say that we shouldn't have people that we trust their understanding of scripture Right? That's not to say that we shouldn't take for ourselves wise counsel when it comes to God's Word, but the question that we should always ask ourselves, this is a fundamental question for us, is where do we draw truth from ultimately? Right? From the Bible? Now this is why I want us to kind of start this study off by by drawing in the clarity of what we're going to be meaning when we use the phrase the word of God. So there's a couple of different ways that we can that we actually see this. And here's something I want you to notice. This is what I want us to pay close attention to as to what we should be doing when I'm explaining to you. <coughs> excuse me. When I'm explaining to you the that Christ Himself is referred to as the Word of God. What am I using as I do that? Or what should I be using as I do that? So when, we, when we're talking about Christ, and, and we find this in John 1.1 1, 1, if you want to flip there. So kind of the first place, one of the ways that we see the Word of God used is when speaking about Christ, the, the person of Christ Himself. So in John 1.1, 1, 1, we find probably the most well-known example of this in which it says, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." And then farther on down in verse 14, we see the, this phrase, "...and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld His glory." Glory as of the only Son from the Father. So this is one way when we speak that we could speak legitimately about the Word of God. We could be speaking about Christ Himself. That's one way. What are other ways that we could that we could like? What are other ways we could understand that to be uh, taken when we talk about the Word of God? And and we're going to cover one, two. Uh, three, four, probably about four um, kind of broad categories, and but these are all going to fall under kind of one major heading here. We're going to explore the Word of God as speech by God. Now this speech is going to come in different forms. Sometimes it's going to come from God directly. Sometimes it's going to come from a prophet. Sometimes it's going to come from kind of written words. So we're going to be exploring all of these as we kind of narrow ourselves down Um the, the, kind of the point of today is to get us to one central focus, and from that focus, then we're going to start asking questions in the coming weeks about that specific one, kind of to give you an idea of where I'm going with this, is there are many different ways that we could understand that phrase, the Word of God to be taken. There's one way throughout this whole study that I want us to focus on. It's going to be the focus of the, of the first couple of um, weeks. Is When we speak of the Word of God from now on, primarily, first and f- foundationally, we're going to be speaking of God's written Word, the Scriptures, right? So this week, we're kind of moving in that direction. Next week, we're going to be asking ourselves, as we should ask ourselves, how do we know that we have the Scriptures, Right? Like, how do I know that? How can I be confident in that? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How do you know that your Bible is accurate? That it tells you true things about God? That you can be confident that it is all you need and there will be no other, right? Like How how do we make and how do we justify that claim of truth? That's kind of where we're going to be working into uh, next week. So today I want us to kind of start narrowing that focus down. Though there are many ways that we could be understood when we say the Word of God, there's going to be one that we're going to focus on. Um, and it's going to be the foundational piece of all that we do. So, like when I, again, like I mentioned, when I speak about Christ as being the Word of God, where does that come from? It comes from Scripture, the Word of God. So, all of these things that we're going to be talking about, these other points other than Scripture itself, what I want us to understand is that we draw these ideas themselves From scripture, right? So when I give you, like when I give you the next one, like one of the, one of the ways that we could understand the word of God is we could understand his spoke, like he spoke things into existence, right? So God decreed that things would be and they were. Right? Do we get that? Like, Genesis chapter 1 is a, is a good place to see this type, of, this type of word from God Himself. Like, God said, let there be light. Right? So, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. And God said, let there be light and what? There was light. So what can we gain? Like what understanding can we gain from scripture itself about this particular way of understanding God speaking? When God said, let there be light, what was? So when, yes, so if God says it, it is right this is the this is what we should what we should pull from this particular thing if god decrees something it will be light could not refuse darkness could not press back against right so god decrees and it is that's when we think about the god who is ultimately given us scripture so that we could know him he's given us scripture so that we can know true things about him one of those things that we should take away today is that if god decrees something it will not fail to be so throughout this study we're going to run into certain places along the way where we're going to really specifically address some of the decrees of god that we find where in scripture, We should find them in Scripture. I should not be able to just make up things and you take them. Along the way, you need to be constantly pushing back against me saying, Landon, where do I find that in the text? Show me that in Scripture. Can you quote for me a chapter and a verse from a book where that's said? And can you take that and expound on that in the context of that text so that it says what you say say that it says use the book right that's the idea that we should be kind of getting to in these first couple of weeks is the for us to know God and for us to know God rightly we must read the book it's important for us to do that we cannot and you should always question what a man says especially if it's far from scripture right and what do I mean what do I mean by that? The longer that you hear me speak where I'm not myself pointing to the text, the the more you should question what I say. Right? Does that does that make sense? So if I were to if you were to find me opening the book, reading a passage of text and then randomly talking for 5 hours, I'm more likely to be wrong in hour 5 than I am in minute 1 from the text, right? I would call that straying from the text. Okay, So this is something for us to pay close attention to. The Word of God is central to our understanding of who God is. So when we see God in Genesis chapter 1 saying, Let there be light, and the light could not resist, but there was light. We also find in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, so not only does God's decree in that moment... It does not simply stop, but it continues on, right? And we find that we find that um, that truth to be seen most clearly in in my mind in Hebrews chapter one, verse three. If you want to flip there, uh, go go ahead, and and I'll give you a moment to kind of get there. Hebrews chapter one, verse three tells us. And this is speaking of Christ. If you want to, if you like, go back in the text a a couple more verses if you want to kind of prove that out and just kind of take in the full context of this. But He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So not only did he say, let there be light and there was light, but we exist in this very moment because the Word of God continues, right? In power. So when we're thinking about ways that we could understand the Word of God, Christ continually upholds all of the universe effortlessly with the Word of His power. Right? That's what scripture would tell us about the God that we serve. About the God who became man, who, who we celebrate his birth in this season of the year, right? This is the God we serve. The God who upholds everything. If he wanted, he could s- simply stop. And all that is would cease to be. He upholds, Scripture tells us, the universe by the power of His Word. So that's one way that we could understand kind of the spoken Word of God. Another way that we could understand the spoken Word of God would be His words of personal address. Now where do we find this? Again, pointing back to Scripture, we find in Scripture frequent occasion where God speaks directly and audibly to men. Right? Like, we find this happening throughout the text. So, like, one example of this would be found um, in the early chapters of Genesis, as God's kind of addressing um, Adam here. Uh, So, Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, if you want to flip there. So, we find that God can speak directly to us. Now there's going to be some caveats that I'm going to put to this particular one. Like there's going to be some places that I want us to kind of consider um, as we consider kind of God speaking directly. Like I like if I were to ask you the question, can God speak directly to you today, audibly to you today? Can He? Can God this is so so God is limitless and if God chose to speak to you today, He could speak to you audibly today, right? If he chooses to. Now some of the questions that we should ask is why do we find only infrequently in the scripture because here's the reality, like God doesn't speak audibly to like it seems frequent if we were to read certain books. But God does not. If you take in the whole of human history, even the whole of scripture itself, you do it's not an everyday occurrence that you find God speaking to people. And not everyone hears his voice. So we should ask ourselves the question, why did the ones that heard his voice hear it? Why were they special in that sense to hear an audible word from him? Right. So this is going to be something that, that we're going to we'll try to answer briefly today, but it will get fleshed out in uh, future classes. So in Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17, we find God speaking directly and audibly here. You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. So this is God speaking. This is the word of God audible, hearable by the ears of the hearer. The words directly from God himself. We also see this kind of this kind of audible communication happening if we explore um Moses and some of the some of the uh the encounters that Moses had with God, God speaking uh, to Moses himself. So Exodus chapter twenty, verses th- one through three, you would find this particular text. Again, another example of this, and and the scriptures seem to be littered in certain certain places with these kind of God speaking in a, in an audible uh, in an audible way to people. We find it even in the New Testament, like Christ after the ascension speaking to uh, speaking to Paul. So, like, from beginning to end, we find that God can and does communicate with, uh, with His creation um, in a very, like, intimate and personal, personal way. So, uh, Exodus chapter 21 through 3 says this, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, uh, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, You shall have no other gods before me, and there there are multiple places throughout the Old Testament where we find these same kind of interactions. One place in the New Testament, it's a really interesting, uh, really interesting spot because in this particular location, you see all three persons of the Godhead simultaneously present, simultaneously doing different actions. This is at the baptism of uh, Jesus, so Matthew chapter three. Verse 17 um, is another place. This is a New Testament um, example of where we see God speaking audibly. Um, he says, "This is my beloved son." Again, the text here is Matthew 3 verse 17. "This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased." One thing that I think that we should note as we kind of consider God speaking audibly, like there should be some questions that we ask ourselves. Is this normal? right should we expect it for ourselves and this is i'm kind of putting that out there for you guys to consider if you want to respond like like does it seem normal that god speaks audibly it doesn't seem to me it doesn't seem to be normal right even if i were to look at the text how many how many people lived during those days and never heard an audible voice how many believers lived and never heard An audible voice. So one of the things that we should caution ourselves against is thinking that we should hear audibly from God. Right? Because we're placing... Value or placing importance on a thing that God Himself, through His written word, does not seem to place importance for each individual believer. And I believe that if we examine Scripture as a whole, what we will find is that these special accounts of God, like audibly speaking, they seem to always coincide with what I would call significant events in redemptive history. Does that make sense? Like, what do I mean by significant events in redemptive history? Like, God is speaking at events that are like these key points in time where we can see Him kind of nurturing along this plan that He set in motion to redeem mankind. And I would say that he, had a, that he had a big plan in place the whole time that it, that it wasn't going to be he needed to speak to you in an audible way for you to hear him, but all along the way he's speaking so that that word could be preserved for all. Right? So even in his speaking, as he speaks to Moses, he gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Right? Like, the Ten Commandments, this is kind of a transition into the next, this, the next piece, like the written Word. The Ten Commandments would be like an example of, our first known example of the written Word of God. God Himself writing His commands On tablets of stone, giving them to Moses, right? Now, how do we know today that these things existed? We know because God did not stop this work of writing His Word, right? Ultimately, He commissioned Moses to write. Moses writes the law, the first books of the Old Testament He writes. He passes these along, like we find um, various places throughout Scripture, uh, where God, uh, kind of gives the written, the written Word to to men, so um, before we before we jump there, another place where we see um, God's spoken word, uh, we see it uh, through the prophets in the Old Testament. Now, here's something that I want us to take into account: is that as the prophets are speaking, speaking, oftentimes we have a record of those the words that those prophets spoke because the prophets themselves wrote those words down so that they could be passed on to the generations that came after them. So it was an important... Peace, even to the spoken word, the words spoken by the prophets to god 's people, that they put those words in writing, so that generations after right the generations that would never hear the prophet speak could hear the words of the prophet, who were the words of God, right? so we find this uh, we find an example of this, Deuteronomy chapter eighteen verses eighteen through twenty. I will raise up. For them, a prophet like you from among their brethren, I will put my words in his mouth, and I shall speak to them all that I command him, or and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not give heed to these words which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Uh, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, the same prophet shall die. So we see here the high weight of speaking God's Word accurately by the prophets themselves. Like like there was there was a high cost for anyone who presumed to speak the word of God when in fact it was not God's word being spoken. Uh, ver- in Jeremiah chapter 119 um, is another case where we see God kind of commissioning a prophet. He says, uh, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now uh, along the way and one of the things that we should be asking ourselves is how do we know they recorded these things accurately? How can we trust these things to be true? These things are, these thoughts are not thoughts that should just pass us by. We should be asking and questioning how can we be confident that what they wrote down was truly what God said? How do we know that? How can we trust in that? These are things that we should be asking ourselves and we're going to get there. We're kind of moving into that. So now as we consider the written word of God in, the, in Exodus chapter 31 verse 18 uh, we see kind of the first account of this and he gave Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai the two tablets of the testimony tablets of stone written with the finger of God so we, so that's kind of the first example we know of that example not because we're holding the tablets but because God continued this process of writing right um, he's, he went from writing himself with his hands commissioning Moses uh, we see in deuteronomy chapter thirty one and this is going to be kind of a composition a shortening down of what you're going to find um, in deuteronomy chapter thirty one so you could kind of if you wanted to follow along verses nine through thirteen but i'm going to be at certain points just kind of skipping ahead for the for the sake of of brevity here so this is this is uh, again deuteronomy thirty one nine through thirteen but just kind of compressed a little bit and Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests the sons of Levi who carried the ark of the covenant of the lord and all the elders of and to all the elders of uh, of israel and moses commanded them at the end of every 7 years you shall read this law before all of israel in their hearing that they may hear and learn to fear the lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of the law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord. So we see this, the importance of kind of the, the written word, passing that word along down to the children. Um, so kind of in, in summary here, um, of all the forms of God's word, the focus of this study is going to be on the written form itself, that is namely the Bible, and we're going to be asking ourselves in the coming weeks hard questions about how we know that our Bible is accurate and that we can trust in it, because um, I think for us to get in, into the, these other deeper studies about God, we need to have a, a foundation where we trust the Word that we look at and that we can know confidently and defend uh, faithfully the 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 word that we hold as as actually being uh, what we claim it to be, um, this is the this is the form of God's Word that's available for study, for public inspection, for repeated examination, and it is the basis for mutual discussion. It is the reason that we can do what it is that we're doing this morning. So some of the key benefits that we should understand exist because God's Word is written is that there is more accurate preservation of this truth throughout history because it was written, right? Um, Because if it was was simply passed on in audible form and then you had to tell me a story, then there's more likelihood in time that errors creep in and then there's no way to check to make sure that those errors are errors and not what it was actually said, right? So like by having the written Word of God, and this is something that we're going to start exploring next week, and especially because kind of the as God's word was written and rewritten what we're going to find is that is that in the differences even like as people were writing the word down in time throughout history that we can compose based even on the flaws that we find in individual particular transcriptions of the word we can pull together and know so accurately what the original text was and we can we can defend why we believe that the word that we have has made it to us today unchanged right so like this is and and it's going to like we're going to find that it's because of the way that it was written and, and dispersed out it was because of the, all of this uh, that we can know that it's been accurately preserved throughout history. Um, this another benefit is it provides the opportunity for repeated inspection. If I were to you're, uh, like the benefit today is we can record the audio like with the audio that I'm recording that right now, but that possibility has not existed for years and years and years and years into the past. so the only way to accurately preserve so that you could repeatedly consume that information was to write it down, right so if i in in the past, prior to the ability to record audio and preserve it long term, had I given you a speech or something, you would have your memory of that speech. but if you never wrote it down, then in time even the memory of the existence of that speech would fade from people's minds. So um, it gives us the ability to repeatedly inspect the text. This is what we would consider like Bible study itself. Um, and it also makes it accessible to a larger audience because having it written down, we can now um, translate it into text of people that might not understand the original the original language right like none of us speak the original language that scripture was written in yet we have and can be confident in the translation of this text into our language and we can if we put in the effort if we put in the legwork defend that um in ways that we would not be able to do uh, confidently had God's word come to us in a in in a different form um, so that's kind of that's kind of where we're going to stop today. Uh, next week we're going to start digging into the canon itself, and what I mean by the canon of Scripture, y- y'all have heard that word enough that that it's not new to you. I mean the books that we have in our Bible, right? Why are we using those books? Why not other books? If you have questions in that regard, like if you're like, why do we not have the apocrypha in ours, or why does the Catholics look to this one or you know like like, ask those questions get those questions ready next week we will address those right um, as we're digging through the canon this is one of those places that if you have questions about the books that we have bring it right like ask those questions it's good to get them out right and what we'll find is that there's answers right You've, you are not the first generation to ask these questions right They've been asking it and defending it for generations and generations in the past. So it's important that we understand how it's been defended throughout history and why it is that this book continues to be, continues to hold cross culture the importance that it holds. Why the preaching of this book changes lives, right? Like that's gonna be some, some of the things that we kind of dig into next week.